0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, The Towel in the Basin. My name is Jamie Dew, president here at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, Level College, and the host of the podcast. I'm always honored that you listen. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that, because I know that you're busy and you got lots of things going on. It means the world to us that you tune in and that you listen to these things. And I'm always humbled when I'm traveling around and I meet somebody that meets listens to these podcasts Uh, We do hope that this will serve you well, and uh, this particular series that we've been in, we've been really trying to help you think about approaching the Bible in the right way, to read it well, to be able to understand its content, because the Bible's a really big book with lots of different parts, and it's easy to get lost in it. We've had a lot of really uh, cool folks in the studio with us for this uh, series on the Bible, and today I'm really excited to have my friend and colleague here at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, Ethan Jones, professor of Old Testament and Hebrew, and uh, welcome to the studio. Glad to have you. Thank you, Jamie. And uh, you've been with us now, this is your second year, right? Yeah, starting second year. That's right. You came from Southwestern. You Mm -hmm. were at what was then Scarborough College, Mm -hmm. now Texas Baptist. Yeah. And you did MDiv and PhD there, is that right? Yes. Okay, yeah. yeah. And uh, man, I could say lots of cool things about he and his, his lovely wife, Emily. Their two sons, Ezra and Amos. Ezra's the younger, Amos is the older. He's a hoot. Um, but man, we love having you guys on campus. You've been a perfect addition to who we are. And I just uh, appreciate you, appreciate you being exactly who you are and what you are. And uh, man, uh, what the the listener may or may not know is that Ethan... Is brilliant. And I, you know, I say that kind of thing about all the folks we bring in here, but this time I really mean it. (laughs) And, uh, but a really big uh, academic asset to us. And um, so appreciate you being with us here in the Uh studio today. We're going to talk about the structure of the Old Testament. And I like to point out anytime I've got an Old Testament professor with me, man, I just got to be honest with you. The New Testament's easier to read. Yeah. You know, you've got, um, You've got one generation, you've yeah. got one culture, you've got one language, you've got one set of political leaders, you really got one set of people, right? And it's just a little easier to jump into. Yeah. yeah. And then you get to the Old Testament, and my goodness, it's huge. Mm-hmm. The styles of these two are different. I think even, even somebody that's not theologically cha- trained can recognize mm-hmm. that, say, in the Pauline letters, for example, he's just speaking to you, telling you what to do with your life. That's right. And then in the Old Testament, you got these big stories, and they may never actually tell you to do anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're just supposed to figure it out. Yeah. And uh, so you got all these different layers. So let's talk, if we can, yeah. about just the Old Testament structure as a whole. Yeah. Maybe how that is all put together. Um, because somebody can pick, because even in our Bibles today, when we read them, they're arranged differently than they would yeah. be in a, in a Jewish Bible. Yeah. And so talk to us just real quick about just the the layout of the Old Testament broadly.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um happy to do that and just on that note, right the Old Testament is so big. Yeah. Uh, one of the things when we talk through the prophets, I think this is right when I take the the prophet Jeremiah, just one of the many prophets, one of the many books of the Old Testament. I can fit all of Pauline's, all of Paul's epistles wow. into that one, yeah. right? <laughs> so, I mean, think about all the time we spend reading through Romans yeah. and Philippians, uh, how many sermons you've heard from each of those books, even just sections of those books, and think all of that equals just one of the prophets that we're going right. to say in the Old Testament. Right. So it is it is daunting mm-hmm. sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. And it just takes time. Um, but in the structure of the Old Testament, so uh, thinking about the Hebrew uh, sequence of it you're going with the torah the pro- mm-hmm. the the first five books of the bible mm-hmm. the neviim which are the prophets so that's going to be things like samuel kings so forth those the former prophets and mm-hmm. then you have the latter prophets that we're used to calling prophets isaiah jeremiah ezekiel and so on and then you have the ketuvim which are the writings that would include things like psalms ecclesiastes proverbs but also books like first and second chronicles Mm -hmm. and interestingly enough um, uh, most of the hebrew bibles that we see are ending with the book of chronicles Mm. which i mean chronicles is one of those weird books uh in the sense that we don't go to the we don't go to chronicles we don't read right so if you're reading the bible in a year (laughs) which my mother loves bible in a year chronological bible do it every year over and over again she loves it and i think it's great but everyone knows. After you read Samuel, Kings, and you get to Chronicles, you're like, "Oh, this Quite again? The world. Yeah. This again? Really? Yeah. Like I yeah. just basically did it. I know it's different, but I'm, I don't want to do it again." Right. Right. So, one of the things that the, the the Hebrew Bible structure does is it puts that at the end, not to make it more interesting for us, mm-hmm. but it's doing something else. So, both Kings and Chronicles are looking at the same events. So, you're talking right. about Solomon, things like that, right? Uh, but they're looking at it from different times and okay. for different purposes. Okay. So even just that structure kind of settles your mind a bit differently to think about sure. what's happening. So Kings is typically answering the question, how did we get here? How How did we go into exile? How? Mm-hmm. Why did the Lord remove us from the land of Israel mm. and take us into Babylon? So that's why most of the examples that you read in Kings... This king did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. This Mm -hmm. king did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord. On and on and on and on. Whereas in Chronicles, when we do read it, Mm -hmm. it's almost all positive, Mm -hmm. right? So even the David and Bathsheba story, it's not really there. Mm -hmm. Saul, who gets chapter upon chapter of how terrible he is in the in the book of uh, First and Second Samuel, um, doesn't really get much Mm -hmm. in Chronicles because it's trying to tell the positive side. Not that it's trying to whitewash. The positive side of what God the, did through it all. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So and, it's almost like and,
0: backwards looking, seeing the providential hand. That's right. Okay.
1: And even these, these guys that had big moments of faithlessness. Right they did have moments of showing faith. Mm. Uh, so you get a real robust full picture of, of these characters that we may too easily say bad or good, mm-hmm. good guys. There's more to the story there, and Chronicles shows you that, and you see it a little bit clearer because it ends the book. Right. Uh, it ends the whole entire Hebrew canon. And the last phrase of Chronicles is, let him go up, mm. which is talking about the people, let him, let them go up, let them return. So the final word is not that we're used to being in Malachi going to Matthew, mm. but Chronicles, then moving to the Book of Matthew. Oh wow. So you're you're ending with this sense of expectation. You're ending right. with this sense of it's not it's not finished yet. Let them let them go up. Let them return. And what is happening in the Book of Matthew, at least in part, is an is an answer, a yeah. response to. Um, are they still in exile? Hmm. Do they need to be returned they are they have returned physically in the land right but something's not right you're still waiting for something to happen inside the heart of the people hmm. you're waiting for that jeremiah moment that that covenant yeah where where it's all written on the heart not on stone and that's not fully established until
0: we have jesus himself so in the hebrew bible then the purpose is seen maybe a little more clearly in the way it's laid out and structured. Is that fair?
1: um, I wouldn't say the purpose seen more clearly there, the way in which it's structured, you can pick up on things differently. So, so take the book of Ruth, for example. So Ruth is in the time of the judges. So if we're going through in the English order, right, that's going to pick up. It's going to follow right with the book of judges. Mm -hmm. We're used to that, uh, which makes historical sense. However, in uh, the Hebrew ordering, Ruth comes after Proverbs. You're hmm. like, wow, well, that's kind of weird, right? But Proverbs, we're, we're aware of Proverbs 31. We talk about Proverbs 31, woman. So right, it's right. this this woman of virtue. That hmm. phrase, "woman of virtue," that virtuous woman. Yeah. The only other time it's used outside of Proverbs is the book of Ruth. Okay. As applied to Ruth. Right. Okay. So. This is why I I joke with my students a little bit of like, hey, you can go to a conference and try to figure out like a Proverbs 31 woman, or you can can read the book of Ruth Ruth, and it's like it's right there. It's right right there. Like the the Hebrew Bible is trying to tell you, you want to see what that looks like? Because the Proverbs 31 31 woman is kind of nameless and generalized example, right? Well, go to Ruth. There's a very specific example for you. That's a virtuous woman. That's a woman of
0: wisdom and virtue. Wow. Yeah. So maybe not, you can see its purpose is a little better in the Hebrew structure, but you can at least maybe connect certain themes That's that right. are progressive through the whole Old Testament. Okay. You mentioned, um, you know, we typically read it from Malachi, then we skip 400 years of the intertestamental right. period and we go into the New Testament. Yeah. But you, you connected Chronicles as a better maybe lead-in into Matthew's gospel. So then yeah. talk to us then about Old Testament, how that fits into larger New Testament.
1: yeah. Moves and, and and to be sure, so both Malachi and Chronicles both are moving into the New Testament. So uh, Malachi brings up this Elijah figure that's coming mm-hmm. back, and mm-hmm. then of course one of the big yeah. question is like, is Jesus the new Elijah? Right. Um, so it connects as well. But that that overall move with the Old Testament to New Testament is is done in several ways. One is just kingship, right? So one of the things that's always been true is God is king. Uh, You see that well, well back in Genesis 1. Uh, You see that in different ways with different verbiage, uh, but it's happening all throughout the Hebrew Bible. Now, eventually God establishes a king in Israel, his king, that has – he looks at the heart and gives David as the king. Hmm. And then he makes a covenant with him. So you're waiting for – uh, that David figure that's always going to be king because that is the way in which God established his rule and reign on this earth through a mm-hmm. David king. Yeah, And you're watching so many false starts, so many bumblings and stumblings in the Old Testament of people that get it right. So Hezekiah, Josiah, these David, people in David's line that get it right. However, uh, there's so many examples that get it wrong. Mm-hmm. So Ahaz and a number of other people. So you start, you you move that through and you're watching as the king goes, so goes goes the kingdom. And one of the operating questions is, is God still king? Is God still the king over Israel? Will we have a king anymore? So there's so much time where there isn't a king in Israel. So, I mean, when they're in Babylon, for an example. yeah. And you're waiting for that to be resolved. You're waiting for it to be figured out of of this king is supposed to bring everlasting peace Mm. you're looking for the the kingdom so this isaiah 9 10 11 moment where i mean the lion is with the lamb and and all kinds of things are happening here where what was once meant for war is being used for cultivation Mm. the davidic king is going to bring that Mm. this new david And, and you're just watching all the attempts all the possibilities but each time, even the best, even David, Hezekiah, and Josiah, these folk, they, they miss it in some way, some fashion. And then you move to the Gospel of Matthew, and then mm-hmm. Mark, Luke, and John, and so forth. And you're watching the story of God's Son, mm-hmm. who is the son of David.
0: Right, and which is laid out very clearly in the genealogies right, right there. The boring that's, part, that's right. part that we skip.
1: <laughs> and and to be sh- in a way, it is, it is right. boring I, in, yeah, a, yeah, in yeah. a sense, right? But it's one of those things where so often my students, they don't have – they can't see it in their head. Yeah. So when they're seeing Son of David, like, yeah, 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 Son of David, wh- right, whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm Son of Bob. Like, what's the difference? Right. But that comes with so much theological um, – Freight right. uh, in, in it. So when you hear that, when you see that, when you see sonship language, things like that, you're getting something that is incredibly theological about father and son, mm-hmm. but you're also getting, this is the one that's fulfilling the covenant to and for and right. with David. Uh, so everything starts to open up with king and kingdom. And what is Jesus' kingdom? What does Jesus' rule and reign look like? How can he be king mm yet also be servant. How can he be king and yet be a lamb? How can and and, and he, he is, right? Mm-hmm. He is all these things. It right. doesn't fit nice little boxes, right? If you want just a warrior king, well he's not that. Right. If you want just some hippie happy go lucky, he's not that either, right? Yeah. So you once once you see the New Testament in its fullness, book of Revelation, Jesus as warrior. Mm-hmm. I mean he he is coming to battle and yeah. he is victorious 100%. Uh, but we have to mix that with Jesus is the fulfillment of that, but he's also the one that gave us the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, so uh, the, this meekness that is being uh, preached on and, and taught and shown to us. So kingship is one pretty easy and very clear pivot that's right. happening in the Old Testament that you're just waiting for for that yeah and this is why i think sometimes we're too hard on the disciples and 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 probably even the pharisees in some regard of you know they just had the wrong conception of uh, of, it wasn't wrong it
0: just was incomplete really
1: that's that's right so so they they should be expecting a king right i mean you're expecting that from the book of genesis Mm -hmm. right Kings will come from your loins, Abraham. Right. I mean, this is Genesis 17, a hugely important text. So you're expecting kingship. And then in Genesis 49, this kind of blessing poetry that's going on there, you see Judah as the one who is ruling and reigning over everyone. Right, right. So you're already keyed into there's something to do with Judah, there's something to do with kingship, the people of Abraham. How does this work? Yeah, well, I'm gonna read the next 38 books. Yeah, and and it's clarified, and it, it and your vision is expanded. Right, but you're still you you've got to make the move to Matthew. Right, right. So it's not. It's, we don't just read the Old Testament as the Old Testament. We read the Old Testament as Christian scripture. So we're we're waiting for the story to pull us along. Mm-hmm. Uh, a bit there yeah to circle back on the boring comment lest yeah, you think I, knew, I, knew you I knew what but you the, meant I knew what you meant but the
0: listener that's what most folks do they get to Matthew 1 and it's so and so begot so and so and so begot so and so and we tend to you know the, I can just see the youth groups glossing over at this yeah, point yeah. and kind of moving forward to the quote unquote good stuff yeah. but the theological point of that it really is bringing to completion all of these anticipations of the Old Testament that there's this king that's coming here right. he is born of the bloodline of David and of yeah. Abraham so yeah the Southern Baptist Convention will be in New Orleans June 11th through 14th of this year. New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary and Level College are excited to host you all. To help you get to know the city, we've put together a website. Go to nobts.edu slash visit. We can't wait to see you in June. Again, that website is nobts.edu slash visit. All right. While I got you in here, and we're talking about Old Testament structure and how yeah. different it is from yeah. the New Testament and such, it's not just the Bible reader; it's the preachers. I mean, mm-hmm. look, it's not just that the New Testament's easier to read. Frankly, the New Testament kind of breaks into nice little sermons a whole lot easier. You know, yeah. you and yeah. I've talked about yeah, yeah, this, yeah. and um, so here's what happens a lot of times, and and heaven forbid, I'm not I'm not trying to pick on. The preaching that we hear, but there it it does seem kind of rather straightforward and obvious that all right, something's off here. You know, again, you go to the Pauline epistles and man, even the Gospels for that matter, where you know Jesus might be speaking to a particular issue, and it's easy to kind of take that apart and see its basic component parts and and speak to that as a as a preacher. Uh, and Paul's letters, you know, he speaks directly to problems in the Corinthian churches and just dissects things for them. Very easy and straightforward to kind of take that apart. Then you get to these large narratives where it may be that a point that's being made is a large theological point and it mm-hmm. will span 15 chapters. Yeah. And. Because of that, it's very easy to kind of get lost in the weeds of that. And then, therefore, what ends up happening is our reading and even our preaching of these types of things become very reductionistic. Mm -hmm. This is about overcoming stress. Or we read, one you and I have talked about, Nehemiah, the book Mm -hmm. of Nehemiah. And sure, he led really, really, really well. And sure, there are probably some things you could learn about how to lead by watching what he does there. But that's not the point of that book. Mm-hmm. And it becomes reductionistic in that we, may, we reduce now, say, a book like Nehemiah to leadership principles for pastors or something like that. And that's really not the point. So question for you is a broad question. I don't know if we can do it in the remaining time. Mm-hmm. How do you not do that? Give yeah. us some guidance on approaching these large narratives and what we should be looking for as we read.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, great question, uh, Jamie. And I think a lot of it has to do, going back to the – and, I, of course, I knew what you meant, the, the boring comment mm-hmm. – of it's, what are our expectations? When we come to this book called The Bible, what are our expectations? And I think um, some of our expectations are good. Some of our expectations are a little misplaced. If we're looking for this huge – on the ground, gritty application of I can now change my behavior to blank today, or right. I change my thought to blank today. Yeah, and we're looking for that from every Bible reading. Then to me, it makes sense that we go to Paul's epistles to. I mean, within the Gospels, probably Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we just kind of live there. Yeah, because we want that. That's not a particularly bad impulse, but we that impulse has to be curbed. So, um, we need to learn to, I, I think that move can underneath it think, okay, maybe we want, we're making the Bible a little too much about us. Mm. So, it, and I don't mean to like, you no, know, Jesus, you. Okay, you but, you. but, but, but it's one of those things of once we lay the groundwork of, this is about God. Mm-hmm. It is about us, but we see ourselves in the rightful place. Then a lot of these texts are merely teaching. Merely are merely teaching us about God. Mm-hmm. Now that has very concrete application. Sure, but some of it may be just clarifying who God is mm-hmm. in, in my mind because I've been creating God in my own image, mm-hmm. maybe intentionally, likely unintentionally, because I'm just walking around. Looking, thinking, I've read a few Bible verses here and there, and then I tend to just, because I'm human, want to make God to fit my right. image, right. And I'm created in his image, and I need to be continually instructed in that. So uh, so I'm on the ground, I'm reading through the Old Testament, these narratives, most of them are super long, right, right? I mean, it's not a chapter. yeah, it's I think you said fifteen chapters or so. That's about it for most movements. yeah. So I'm thinking about the Abraham narrative. Um, you could stop in a number of points, Genesis 12, 15, 17, 22, all these moments. You could could preach one chapter, which would be basically a scene Mm -hmm. of this larger narrative. And I think that's fine. You can read chapter 12 of Genesis, read it closely, carefully. That's great. But it really is the practice of reading Genesis 12 through 22 at least Mm. over and over again over and over again so it trains your mind it, it trains your eyes to see the whole of what's going right. on there so I mean I'm gonna I'm gonna pick slightly on on one example I heard many years ago had nothing to do with this institution this state or anything like that so <laughs> um, where, where yes. yeah, yeah, they, they <laughs> were they were preaching on the call of Abraham an mm-hmm. amazing amazingly important chapter I, mean, I talk about my students chapter 12 verses 1 through 3 one of the most important texts in all the bible because yes. so much of it is going back to it and hinging on it mm-hmm. and this well-intended uh sermon was crafted to kind of get people to go to leave their err and 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 go where 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 do you feel god's calling you today mm-hmm. right it kind of missions predicate there right it's the right idea right mm-hmm. go right i mean right. there's so many of our texts that we're used to with that and i think he just kind of wanted another a different text right, at right. Matthew, matthew 28 acts one kind of thing yeah um so the impulse was right but it, but it, it didn't it didn't work with the grain right uh because that's not what's being held up there his faith is being held up his movement of location is fairly irrelevant it's that is faith and trust and, and Yahweh God and the Lord God Almighty, and the covenant is being established through Abraham. So this is where I'm different from him, mm-hmm. right? You're different, but like we're different. We right. are children of Abraham, right We are not Abraham, right? So this is how it's actually wildly different than if we're reading Ephesians, we can get on with Ephesians like yes, i I, I see what Paul's instructing the the church of of God. But when we're reading about Abraham, we are like Abraham, but we're not like Abraham. So I don't want to keep the narratives at a full distance, right. nor do I want to make them like, oh, we're basically the same. Right. Because we play pretty fast and loose with those those times. So like, wait, well what part of David am I like? Right. Right. Right? Yeah. Um, what part of the prophet Jeremiah am I like? Am I the part that's just blessed all the time? Because that sounds right. good. Yeah. But but the part of like ripping up and destroying and all that, why why don't I just hold yeah. that up? So, uh, I think with the narrative, read a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and here's the thing. A lot of us are on the move, on the go. I mean, there are just so many good ways to actually listen to Scripture, which I think is such a good, mm-hmm. dare I say, ancient practice. If yeah. we would just listen. I mean, it's not in front of us. and Just listen in our ears to the Scripture going over and over again. We will begin to see things. Yeah. And as you mentioned earlier, Jamie, the narratives are teaching. So it's not that we're just reading story. Right. God is teaching us various things in there, but that doesn't need to be reduced to principles. If right. it's easily reduced to principles, the decent chance is me, the reader, or the preacher, or the, or the teacher, is likely producing something somewhere. Right. Um, and just letting the story do it work. A story has plot. A story has characters, full characters. Mm-hmm. What are those characters doing? How was the resolution made? What did God do in that narrative? Yeah. How does that relate to the story before, the story after? So I think part of it is, I mean, the way in which many of us uh, were taught to to preach and teach is is rather formulaic, which is not bad, mm-hmm. but right, you you introduce you have roughly three points in the middle and then you conclude and there's going to be usually illustrations of each of those three points. That's not bad. That doesn't easily overlay with a narrative right. though. Yeah. Cause you're going to be looking for those three points Yeah. and it may be better to, to kind of teach or preach in a way that it's structured along a narrative arc. Yeah. And even if people are like, oh, I don't know how to read narrative. Just watch a TV show. Yeah, like sure. if, you, if you watched CSI, yeah. like, that's, they, they give you the conflict in the first two seconds, mm-hmm. right? And then it's like, they, it, the conflict's so good that if you like those kinds of shows, you're going to spend the next 22 minutes saying, yeah. what's the resolution? Um, so we know just kind of innately how to work through conflict, you know, you know rise in action, resolution, right. all those things. Yeah. It's just something about how we tell stories. We love it. I think we just have to be reminded of that's part and parcel of reading so much of at least Genesis to Esther,
0: yeah, so yeah, in many ways we we think that this is somehow difficult when it comes to Old Testament narratives because it does span these large things. And so one of the things you're saying is get in the habit of reading the whole yeah. the whole movement, yeah. the whole uh, not just scene in one chapter but the whole story of that of that particular part. And then as you do that, I mean in in some ways it's the same kind of thing as when we're watching a movie of some sort. A little bit. Yeah. We're noticing the big plot lines of the movie. What is the problem? What are the what are the debates? What are the tensions and things like that? And then what are the ultimate resolutions? And then from that, what is this saying to us about God himself? Yeah. Right? And those are the things that we want to look for yeah. as we do that. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting you talked about now, Abraham is not completely like us. But he's not completely different from us. Mm. I'm sure you know in, in theological studies and even in philosophy, there's there's all these debates about the language here. Mm. Is Does this language about God mean exactly the same thing as when it talks about us, or does it mean not at all the same, mm. or is it analogous? Mm. And I remember I used to tell my people at the church when we were reading Old Testament I was preaching through it, that because the context is so unique and there's some particularities that, that are unique to that moment that are not unique to us, we don't want to reduce this story to being about our lives right here. Yeah. But it's kind of like watching your brother or sister get in trouble with your parents, Yeah. right? You may be in a different situation and you may not be in exactly that context, but if you're hearing your sister get chewed up because of what she did in this context, you should be paying attention and wondering what you need to know about your mom and dad. And about your own behavior as a result of watching that kind of go down. Yeah. And um, so, anyway, this is super helpful, man. I appreciate your time. Uh, Thanks so much, and look forward to having you again on another podcast. Yeah, thanks, Jamie. Hey, everybody, this is Jamie and Joe again. If you like this podcast, would you leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts? That helps other people find it. And if you have any questions, we'd love to hear about them. Just go to jamiedude.com slash questions and send them in that way. And we'll take a look at the most frequently asked questions and give them a shot.